This is Ebony Griffin with the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. Today we are meeting with Ken Bond, who is a former law enforcement and a veteran. He serves now as a licensed therapist in the Maryland area. We are talking to him today about mental health and physical health in regards to men and how it affects the family. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Welcome to Small Talk, Big Thoughts podcast. I am Ebony Griffin, your host, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Kenneth Bond, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Ken and also a lot about Health Awareness Month. So nice meeting you, Ken. Nice bringing you on to the session. How you doing? I'm doing well. Glad you invited me. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you accepting the invitation. Uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of a background. You know, we actually met in college. Well, we met in getting our master's, right? right? In seminary. We met in school, getting our master's at Capital Seminary. You know, that was a really good experience for me and I'm sure for you as well. But you've lived such a full and rich life. So let's talk about you. Tell the listeners a little bit about you and your story. Well, when you, you asked me about seminary, but actually I, I started in seminary uh, because of uh, counseling. I was, I was, I call myself being tricked into it. Really? Was, well, you know, what happened is um, I was helping a church plant and the pastor asked me to help with family counseling and uh, families in distress. And as a result of that, I said, well, you know, I want people to hear more about God's story than Ken Bond's story. So that's when I enrolled in seminary at Washington Bible College, Capital Bible Seminary. And I started there. But, but, you know, they were incorporated into Lancaster, where we actually went to school together. Oh, wow. So you had started there ahead of time, but you started really as an effort for a church plan. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah, my, my process was... Because of the um, because of the, the counseling that we're providing as lay people, I wanted to be able to reach people outside of the church to bring them into the church. And the only way I thought we can do that le- legitimately was for me to be, cal- be a licensed counselor. Okay. So I was yeah. reaching out to move in. But knowing from there, I went to Liberty. At the seminary, we were uh, instructed in authentic Bible counseling. And when I went to Liberty, Liberty they started talking about integrated Christian counseling. And I didn't know whether I wanted a career, whether I wanted to be involved in ministry. And I realized after I got to Lancaster that I was actually involved in a calling. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's phenomenal. So you also went to Liberty University. How long were you there? I was there for about a little over a year. Okay. And, um, and, uh, but the problem with that is I was working, I was going to Liberty but I was also working as a contractor for the for the FBI. Oh, I see. So you were doing uh, double duty. Well, yeah, this was like my um, this was like my third job because I had retired and I was also an adjunct professor. And so I was putting one on hold while I was trying to complete another. 
All right. And you were retired military. Is that right? Well, I was I was retired from law enforcement, but I had been in the military. Okay. All right. All right. So you were retired law enforcement, been in the, a veteran, you know, in the military. So thank you so much for your service. Also, you actually have um, a history of being an adjunct professor. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I kind that was kind of on a, a fluke. I ran into um, when I was when I was working in the government. I was uh, involved in a project, a security project. As a as a fluke, one of the guys that was working at uh, the school put an announcement out to all the retirees that there was an opening. So I just put in for it because it was in the field that I that I had worked in, and so I started teaching as at Webster University a course called Violence in the Workplace, which we started we started from a reactive approach, and because of my background, I started to teach it from a proactive approach. How can we get in front of these people? that were having these outbursts, what was their mental state? That prompted me to look into how we can, how we can approach that from a, a mental perspective as opposed to just a responsive perspective. Wow. So I'm sure that was well received in a sense, just because it sounds like it's something different from what we're used to. Normally, we are more reactive when it happens and we have those steps in place on what to do. But you were going more so towards the preventative measures, it sounds like. Right. So why why do people have these outbursts? You know, what is what is the reason for them having these these mental um, breakdowns at work? So you I was having people to look for the signs. You look for the signs of of, of people having these behavioral differences as opposed to how you react to it afterwards. Okay. Yeah, and I know that can be pretty tough, especially because there was an increase at one time, there was an increase of violence in the workplace. So I'm sure that that was very effective. I know for me, a little background, uh, I worked also in employee relations. We did not have violence in the workplace, but that was always something that we were trying to make sure we de-escalated after it happened, but it would have been great to actually have something like your program or, you know, the class that you were teaching to be effective where I was working, because it, I'm sure, would have created a more safer environment. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so tell me, you know, you've told me a little bit about your journey to seminary and, like, what led you to Christian Mm -hmm. therapy, but for now, tell me about, because you're a full-blown therapist currently, correct? correct. Um, Tell me, you know, how long you've been doing therapy full-blown as a licensed therapist, and then what is a typical day like for you? Well, I started really in, uh, in 2017. Of course, we were doing the internship, and from there, I became licensed as a licensed graduate. A professional counselor, and now I'm I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor after my, after completing all my internships. But my typical day starts really before uh, my client sessions, the day before. So the day before, I would typically go through the client file and uh, my notes, and you know I I do a little meditation. I ask the Lord, you know, what is it you, know, you are preparing me for for this particular person? Uh, what do I need to seek? What do I need to do to help them? And sometimes I would have to do some more research. 
you know, once we get out of school, uh, the research doesn't stop. I, I thought that was an area I wouldn't be involved in when I was in school, but I'm finding out more so than that, that it requires more reading, more research, more, more, more personal study and personal prayer so that, um, you know, we can uh, do no harm as, we, as we're ethically required to do. Um, right. That's certainly right. And the, you, you, you actually touched on a good point, the fact that before your scheduled sessions, you are going to, you know, your resources. And one of those resources outside of the books, you know, which are plenty, you know, there are plenty of things that we, you know, resources, book resources, but you're going to guide for assistance on the best way to assist your clients because each client is different, right? Each client is different. And, and one of the things I do in, in prepping my clients is uh, I, I try to find out what their background is. One of the things that trying to develop that therapeutic alliance, which is really just getting the person comfortable enough to tell you their story and making them comfortable to be able to verbalize their story. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the setbacks that people have is they don't feel comfortable enough to, to share how they're feeling. And while they're, and, and be truthful about how they're feeling. So it's important that, you know, that you prepare yourself for that, mentally prepare yourself for that. Whether, whether it's um, prayer, I know that you used to do that. Yeah. You, you used to pray before you even had a session, you had your quiet time, whether it was in a car or in a room. And, yes, uh, I still do it. I still make sure that, you know, I am praying for the clients and then also just to be able to receive what they will share because, you know, there's so much going on and I just want to make sure that I have the right demeanor and I am able to kind of withstand whatever it is that they may say. And um, then I can like internally, you know, think, pull that toolbox of resources out, especially when it's a new client and kind of go forth with, you know, what God would have me to talk to them about. And I, I do want to add that although we're talking about our process of like praying before sessions and also praying about the sessions in regards to our preparation, a lot of our clients may not have a Christian base or they might not be of the Christian faith. So uh, would you like to add uh, on that a little bit, expound? Yeah, well, so now with that being said, I'll ask the client, uh, what is their platform? What is, what is their belief system? And if they tell me they're a Christian, I'll say, well, you know, that means a follower of Christ. And if you allow me, I may interject some some values that come from that. And if not, I still ask them that. Do I have permission to use this platform from a spiritual context? And uh, I say, for example, if we're talking about cognitive changing your thinking and change your behavior, I say that's also biblical. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed, this will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that being said, I'm, I'm approaching them from, from a Christian approach, but also from a clinical approach. Yeah. Um, and if people say, you know, no, I don't want that, then I, okay, well, I'm, I, I honor that because it's about making them feel comfortable and not doing any harm to them. That's correct. And meeting them where they are. I mean, I think yeah. that's the beautiful uh, aspect of therapy, being able to meet them where they are. And, and Paul. pardon? The Apostle Paul. Meet, yes. Meet, have to have yes. the Apostle Paul concept. 
Yes, just being able to kind of meet the individuals where they are and really just being able to kind of cultivate and walk them through the process. So that is soul care at its finest, being able to walk them through the process. And what I find in the years that I've been a therapist is that you don't even you know, it's great. It's great to have the scriptures, but you don't have to use the scriptures to have a biblical impact. And especially if it's someone that is not, uh, they've outlined that they're not ready for that. For you, what, you know, what's your experience with individuals that are suffering with mental health challenges? What have you found in, you know, your time doing therapy? Well, one of the things that, um, that's come across for me. Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, couples, marriage, and um, very few, and, and some individuals, but mostly I've become the couples guy because, because of my background and uh, dealing with marriage. Uh, I've been through two marriages myself. And so I know some of the pitfalls that happen and the fallout with children, with being hostile. And, and also I've uh, facilitated divorce care. So uh, going through that, and, I, and I've been a chaplain. I was a chaplain for for the uh, VFW for um, for quite a while. So having that that empathy, and and being able to uh, look at people and say, you know, uh, there's a better way to do things, and being comfortable with letting them tell their story. There's a, a concept about countertransference. Sometimes your all your experience can can overwhelm you because you try to think about, well, how can I make this fit? That's when you have to pull back and and rely on being humble and rely on the Lord to address you, address the issue, or help you with the issue. So I, I encourage people to remind them that my process is to help them to become aware. And as they become more aware, then we can plug in some of the areas that need that need filling for them, more or less standing in the gap. So how can they get from from bitter to better? From good to great. With that mindset, we're trying to get you from bitter to better, from good to great. You know, I I remember a professor, and you and you probably remember him too, who told us that um, that we are the instrument in the room. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, we can't we can't look for a book or a resource when we're in the room. We That's have to right. rely. We have to rely on what we have gathered and draw from that. And these everybody that comes in our door that God allows us to see, and even in this pandemic that we're in, and that's a whole different way of dealing with things now with the pandemic. But even with this pandemic that we're in, we don't know what, what they're bringing in, even if they're regular clients. Sometimes their day has been so disruptive that they don't, they're not even addressing the things that they normally would address. They bring something new. That's true. That's true. It's like you prepared for, you may have, you know, talked to them last week. It was one thing. By the time you talk to them in the next week, you know, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother, you know, aspect of, it's like the tables have gone in a different direction. Yeah. And everybody has their own process, their way of dealing with people. And the only way, and their own way of interaction. Uh, mainly, what I try to get people to do is be comfortable enough to share, you know, what, what how they're feeling. And then I ask them, "What's on your heart and mind today?" After they comfortably vented, 
I asked them, what's on your heart and mind today? And then we get into the meat and potatoes of why they're there. How can we resolve this? How can we resolve this? Yeah. Because I'm not a fixer. I'm not, I tell them that right off the bat. I am not a fixer. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to help you navigate over the speed bumps that you're going to encounter in your life. And when you, when you see a speed bump, you know, you slow down. So when those, instead of using a whole lot of technical terms like triggers, intrusive thoughts, um, uh, I use the, I use the Nats concept for negative automatic thoughts and that the bug that you swipe away, mm -hmm. you swipe that gnat away. You have to swipe that gnat inside your head, a negative automatic thought. Only you can do that. Only That's you can right. change it. So. That's right. It sounds good. And the reality is, is that, um, you know, just that acronym alone puts people in a place where they will think about what they have said before they say it. And if they said it, then they, you know, if it does come out their mouth and based on the interactions that they've had with you as a, a therapist, then they know, swipe it away. Yeah, you so know, they become empowered. Yes. I'm more empowered to know that, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Because, and because you know, we all, they only give us one hour of the 168 that they have, 168 hours a week. The rest of the 167, they have to work on for themselves, for their partner, for their family. And when, they, when they're in this new environment in their house, they have to recreate their own space inside the space. So that becomes problematic for some of them. They don't have the setup for homeschool. When you have a husband, a wife, and kids all in the same house at the same time, doing the same, doing different things, but doing the same thing, it's kind of hard for that. Because the kids had structure before. Now they're home and they don't. So it's like the pandemic has brought so many more challenges to the relationship that in many cases has already been strained. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, no, good. Oh, I was going to say, I love what you said about being um, going from bitter to better and from good to great. Um, I think that is a, a wonderful slogan in regards to just being able to push and motivate individuals to kind of move forward. Um, and then you you actually talked a lot about like your experience. And so just to kind of piggyback off um, you talking about your experience with, you know, um, divorce, marriage, divorce, also helping and encouraging couples. I wanted to kind of ask you, how has your life helped you in the therapy? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but just wanted you to elaborate a little bit more. Well, it's, well, it's helped me in a sense that it's given me a, um, an added comfort that when people come in, that I can help them. When, uh, when I see a veteran come in, and we, he talks about PTSD. I can help him with that. When I see someone, a couple come in and they're they're struggling with with their with their marriage, or a new couple, they're struggling with how do we get along? How do we plan for a wedding? There's providing them a sense of comfort and 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 peace to know that they can do this. So the experiences I've had has given me some solace to know that 
Um, if I if I just trust God, I do what I can, and He He'll do what I can. And when these people, if they're open enough and they're sincere enough, they can they can um, they can find a remedy for for their problem. So, for example, I tell couples that um, you know you're in a three-legged race. If, if they don't know what a three-legged race is, I tell them about how you tie your leg together and and you run together. So that means you have to cooperate together if you want to get to the finish line. And I can't take you there. You have to take yourself there. So when people come in with that dependency, well, we're coming here because we we need you to fix it. I let them know you you can pretty much fix yourself by just using these tools. So my experience doing the uh, going through divorce care that has helped me to help people know that you know you can you don't have to go this route, but if you do, there is. There is a better, better path. You can be, you can go through this route and still be civil if you're actually going to go through a divorce. You know, people come, uh, people grow uh, together or they grow apart. They're growing anyway, but they're going to grow together, grow apart. It's up to them to be intentional about their relationship. Relationships take take work. They do. They they do, and I find that a lot of people may not understand the undertaking that it that is involved in a relationship i love what you said about it being a three-legged race because that's like if you're if you know one leg is bound with someone else's one leg and you are going in direction in order to cross the finish line one person can't go left and the other person can't go right you have to be in one mind and on one accord in order to move forward Otherwise, you're going to be leaning and you possibly will fall over or backward. So in order to get there, get to the finish line, you have to cooperate and move forward together. So I I love that. I, I really do. Now, I know that this month is Health Awareness Month. And, um, you know, it's a lot of different things happening this month. It's also Women's History Month. But right now we're going to focus on health awareness. And uh, what comes to mind is the scripture in 3 John 1 and 2 that says, above all things, that we may prosper and be in good health as our soul prospers. And so I just love that. But uh, from your perspective, I wanted to find out um from the mental health perspective, but also from, you know, your walk with God, what do you feel like is the greatest challenge that men in today face? What would you say is the greatest challenge for them? Okay, so I'm, so I'm, I'm going to answer both of those questions. Uh, first, um, for, for men, I think uh, a lot of men um, are struggling with affirmation. and. Uh, they 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 need to be affirmed, but women need to be valued. They would get that affirmation from women, the women they're with, if they would value her. And and realize when I'm talking about couples now, realize that they're not in a battle against each other. They're in a battle together. Confront to confront something does not mean confrontation. If you don't confront it, you can't conquer it. So sometimes we, we find ourselves acquiescing to get along. And then we realize after we've been in this relationship for a while, we're not happy. Now, the other thing is men don't take care of their body. They don't listen to their body. Women do. 
They need to do a better job in doing that. Men should get a um, colonoscopy. That would if they if they're over forty years old, forty five, they should think about getting a colonoscopy. Their mental health and their physical health is important. They don't you don't have a you don't have a a light like in your car to tell you it's time to change your gas, change change oil. You have to be more aware of those things that are happening, and not be afraid to to talk to someone when you're having a problem. Men wait to the last minute when they're at the at the cliff, and there's not very much room left. So, one one thing one thing I'm appreciative of is I'm seeing more men come in to seek help and admit that hey, I do need help, and I can't do this on my own. Now, they, they some some of them have drifted away from the Lord. They know the Lord, or they've 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 been they've been brought up in church, but then they got away from that too. So, um, checking in, checking in on themselves, checking in on their relationship. You know how not how are you doing? How are we doing? You know because we can we can be in our little cocoons, and that's what's happening with this pandemic. I'm going over to my my uh, man cave in the basement, you know, I'm, I'm going over here, I'm working with the kids. And then when we come together, there's some angst about, you're not giving me, you're not helping me. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I do a lot of assessments for couples, um, love languages, uh, preparing rich online assessments. Uh, I do those as, I use those instruments to help them. That not everybody needs that kind of help. Some people need help that we can't we can't provide. They need some medical help. That's so, correct. So it's, it's, it takes both. You can't just come in. Okay, we we recognize you may have some depression issues, but maybe you need to go to your physician to find out your primary care doctor. Maybe they can give you an exam, and you may need some some medication for that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what you said is is pretty valuable in a sense of touching um, back to what you said about just the the mental health standpoint, but also the physical health standpoint. The fact that you know men are not really the first to go to the doctor in most cases. Uh, they're not the first to get their checkups. They're not the first to have that type of relationship with doctors so that it could be preventative, whatever the situation is. So whether it's like colorectal, you know, issues, heart disease, diabetes, you, you know, like you said, waiting until the last minute, especially for men of color. And so hopefully, um, you know, with a lot of the things that have gone on and including this year as a whole, there will be some um, move for black men and and men of color to kind of move forward and saying, I want to take charge of my health, you know, my mental health as well as my physical well-being. They have to be their own advocate. They have to be their own advocate. If if their car was not running on all all four cylinders or six cylinders or eight cylinders, they would hear it 
and they would get it fixed. Their body is talking to them. When they, when they find themselves analyzing things and having self-talk and not tell, sharing, sharing with their the people that they care about how they're feeling, they, they're, they're not getting, they're not getting, uh, they're not helping themselves. So that's, that's very true. And so, go ahead. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Go ahead. And, and I find too that um, uh, making people feel comfortable to tell their story. You know, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I tell men, I, I tell men that a men of faith, that, you know, one of the things that we as men, are afraid to let somebody else see the chink in our armor. So we're protecting that. And if we have someone that we're with, a spouse, we definitely don't want them to see that we're weak. So we put on this facade that we're stronger than what we are. But I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you see, see take down that mask, take down that wall and share how you what you're really feeling and hear yourself. Hear your story because we can change that story and it's never too late to change to turn the page and rewrite that you have just heard part one of the small talk big thoughts podcast we were joined by our special guest ken bond who gave us knowledgeable words today we end with the one big thought regarding negative automated thoughts only you can swipe away the gnat the negative automated thoughts from your head, from your space, from your life. I'm your host, Ebony Griffin. Be sure to join me next time as we continue with part two of the Small Talk Big Thoughts podcast. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk. Big thoughts, big thoughts, oh.